camo pajamas. Because you never know when you'll wake up hunted on an uncharted island. I'm Torn Atkinson. I ain't got time to do an intro. I'm Joe the Body Fulgham. Joe, Torn, I think it's about time we found out which one of you is faster. I'm Kevin Leeson, and this is Caustic Soda. Fuck you, Torn, I'm out of here! The word origin of hunt, Proto-Germanic hunto-jan, or possibly hunto-yan, to seize, capture, and chase comes from Old French chassier, to ride swiftly and strive for, from Latin captieri, to chase or hunt. That's an onomatopoeia, right? Chassier sounds fast. Chassier. Yeah. <laughs> Swift. The sound you make. Chassier. But, but it's got two extra syllables over fast and quick. Oh, quick yeah, sounds but it doesn't pretty have quick, that, too. doesn't have that t, that hard t sound. Yeah. That's what. That's when you trip over something. Yeah. <laughs> that's a bad chase. I'm going faster. <laughs> so our topic is humans hunting other humans for sport. The most dangerous game. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. But I still think that the most dangerous game would be like a rhino crossed with a tiger Ooh, or no, something like the that. Most dangerous, have to have wings. The most dangerous game would be Operation, but like hooked up to an electric chair. <laughs> yeah. Bring in the next player. Sometimes Dungeons & Dragons is the most dangerous game if you're using the four set of die and you drop them on the floor because <laughs> they're like little caltrops. Cal- yeah. yeah. Step on them and... Oh, now we need a superhero who has all sorts of uh, role-playing game-related <laughs> utilities. <The> nerd. <laughs> nerd man. <laughs> nerd man. Quickly, drop the four-sided dice and get away. Flee. <laughs> 20. He's mostly a getting away kind of superhero. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. I will hoard my experience points at home. Thank you very much. <laughs> He's a support cast I'll member. defeat you after I level up, evil man. <laughs> I wish there was a saving point in my life. Ooh, that's his power. <laughs> save! And then if things screw up, he that's can go right, back exactly. in time to that save point. So there's no phobia for being hunted. Yeah, okay. But if we, if we go by the be. If we go by the Latin captieri, I would suggest captierophobia. All right. Let's, uh, let's make that happen. I'll hack into phobialist.com and add it. Yeah. Uh, so this is not assassination, which, was, which we've already done. Right. Right. This is not going to be about war, and this is not about even fugitives being chased by the law. No. Known uh, colloquially as a manhunt. But this is hunting man. This is hunting humans for fun, for sport. That's the only, the only good reason to do it, really. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Well, there's also, I, was, I had uh, originally put in a story in this episode about uh, hunting Indians during the gold rush, but there was a bounty on their head. Right, ah, so we're going to save that. And now I'm thinking that. maybe we'll do a bounty hunting episode. Oh, that's a good episode. Then I'll have to watch lots of Dog the Bounty Hunter <laughs> and the <laughs> oh, I can't imagine having to stare at that mullet for any longer than absolutely necessary. Now, you have a, a myth? Uh, in May of 2009, an email went around the internet advertising the Ultimate Adventure Cruise. And I've got a little excerpt here. To the Point Cruise Line is excited to offer the Ultimate Adventure Cruise along the pirate-infested coast of Somalia. Start at $5,200 per person and $6,900 for a veranda uh, complete with bench rest. You'll relax like never before. That's because you're welcome to bring your own arsenal with you. Mm. If you don't have your own weapons, you can rent them from our onboard master gunsmith. Oh, that's where they really get you. Yeah. (laughs) It's all-inclusive food and booze. (laughs) That's right. But you got to pay extra for the ammunition and the armaments. Yes, you do. Enjoy reloading parties every afternoon (laughs) with skeet and marksmanship competitions every night. But the best fun of all, of course, is pirate target practice. 
The object of the cruise is to sail up and down the Somali coast, waiting to get hijacked by pirates, and then open fire on them with your rented assault rifles, sniper rifles, rocket-propelled grenades, and even twin-mounted machine guns for only $450 per 30 seconds of sustained fire. So Okay, who's timing? Who wrote this? This has to be The Onion, right? This is from a website called To The Point News, which is a satirical news website like The Onion. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was then picked up by somebody else and reworked as SomaliCruises.com. Oh, I see. And despite how ridiculous that idea got, the actual news site Ananova picked up the story and ran it as though it was real. And from there, it spread out everywhere, including making it into Canada's quite prestigious National Post. Uh-huh. And they reported it as, oh, this is terrible. Yeah, the reaction from many cruise line, they, they contacted official cruise line people to see what they thought about this. And they, oh, this is uh, reprehensible. You can't just murder people. Right. Except for the fact that shouldn't the first call they've been made to the cruise line that doesn't exist, that <laughs> right. was purporting to actually put it on instead of calling other cruise lines to comment on that cruise line's behavior. Yeah, we could call this a bad journalism follow-up. Exactly. You know, isn't that your job as a journalist? It's to actually fact check? Yeah. Nothing really bad happened out of this, except maybe some people got some ideas to go into a boat and drive up and down Somalia and shoot at (laughs) the pirates. Yeah, yeah, it's called the U.S. Navy. Yeah. That's who does that. They just they they start disco dancing on the on the uh, aircraft carrier deck, <laughs> hoping that they'll get confused. You get paid for that. That's a uh, that's joining a, the navy. This doesn't sound like something that couldn't happen. You well, you almost think that there would be people who would think this up and say we should do that, mm-hmm. but I don't think it would ever. How do you get a license for that? You, you don't. You just but, become. Pirates. But you're in international waters, right? <laughs> yeah, you're basically inverse pirates. Yeah. Like you're just waiting for pirates so that you can do what the pirates would do. Yeah. They started it. You're private pirate <laughs> hunters. They, there's more details. Uh, I'll put up a link to the actual uh, news article. Snopes has a really good write up on it with right. all the details. And they actually like broadcast music really loud at the coast. Well, they claim to, of course, this isn't real, uh, in order to try to attract the pirates out. And they go back and forth and back and (laughs) forth. Do they have like a flag on the on the on the ship that has a big dollar sign on it? (laughs) Yeah, and yeah, people going, "Oh no, we forgot to bring our weapons to defend ourselves." (laughs) Why did you say that over the loudspeaker? Oh, is this thing on? (laughs) Boy, we are so incompetent. It's a good thing nobody's coming to get us. Oh, our engines have stopped. We can't move. Well, time for all of us to go to sleep. <laughs> all right. Well, I've got this dude called Robert Hansen. He was born in 1939. Robert Hansen was a white dude with a checkered past who in 1967 moved from Iowa to Anchorage, Alaska with his wife and two children. Mm-hmm. In Anchorage, he was well-liked by his neighbors and was famed as a local hunting champion. He even broke several records, according to Pope and Young Bow Hunting Club. Oh, like what kind of records? Like distance? And I saw that Lord of the Rings movie, and that little like pointy-eared dude, he, <laughs> he let those things fly pretty, pretty rapidly. So. That's right. He had the record of sliding down a shield uh, across yeah. things and jabbing people in the eye with an arrow and then shooting somebody else with the exact same arrow. Legolas. Yes, yeah. it's called the Legolas Award in the Pope and Young Bow Hunting Club. Right, got it. Shooting... A person twice with the same arrow. Nice. By 1982, several human bodies had been uncovered in the Knick River Valley, including Sherry Morrow, a 17-year-old dancer from the Wild Cherry Bar who had been shot three times. 17-year-old dancer. Mm-hmm. Rules are different up in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Joanne Messina, a local topless dancer, and other unidentified corpses. So they knew who the topless dancers were, yeah. uh, but they didn't, they didn't research the others necessarily. So I was like, oh, I've seen this girl. A bunch. 
the police they're just happening. This is 82. Oh, so so topless dancers very, yeah, very yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, it was 82. So, you know, forensic technology, they couldn't run DNA mm-hmm. and stuff and might not have had dental records. Uh, in June 1983, Cindy Paulson, a 17-year-old sex trade worker, escaped from Hanson while he was trying to load her into his Piper Super Cub. You guys know what a Piper Super Cub That's is? That's the little uh, two-seat plane. Yes, single-engine monoplane. You guys are wowing me with your uh, plane knowledge. What can I say? <laughs> I don't know. What can uh, you say, <laughs> Kevin? I, why, why do I know that a Piper Super Cub is a plane? I actually don't know where I received that information. I didn't know what Super Cub. I just knew Piper. And was oh, like, oh, that's okay. one of those little planes that they fly in Alaska. Very okay. good. She told police that she had been offered $200 to perform oral sex, but when she got into the car, Hanson pulled a gun on her and drove her to his home. There, he held her captive, torturing and sexually assaulting her. He put her in his car and took her to Merrill Field Airport, where he told her that he intended to take her out to his cabin, a meat shack in the Knick River area of the Matanuska Valley, accessible only by boat or bush plane. Mm-hmm. Paulson, whose wrists were cuffed in front of her body and crouching in the back seat of the car, waited until Hansen was busy loading the airplane's cockpit to make a run for it. Good for her. Hansen panicked and ran after her, but Paulson managed to flag down a passing truck. Oh, good timing. She was taken to police headquarters, where she identified Hanson as the perpetrator. Case closed, right? Yeah, that should be it. Yeah. You know, this guy's a serial killer who, uh, you know, has dumped a bunch of bodies in a river. And Although Hanson had several prior run-ins with the law, his meek demeanor and humble occupation as a baker... No baker would ever sexually assault a woman. ...along with a strong alibi from his friends, kept him from being considered as a serious suspect. No charges were filed. What? Wait, wasn't... This is so she ran literally from his car mm-hmm. to a passing truck, and he ran after her, and she's handcuffed and had just been tortured and sexually assaulted. And they went, well, we don't think it was him. Yeah. Wow. Follow up to Bad Cops episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Several months later, the body of Paula Golding, a topless dancer and sex trade worker, was found partially decomposed in a shallow grave with a bullet wound. At this point, the FBI was brought in to handle what was uh, had become clearly a serial killer case. And right. incompetent local police. Yeah. <laughs> the FBI reopened the Hanson file, and his home was searched. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Doing police work? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the prior police didn't actually deem it necessary to search his home no. before they dismissed him as a suspect. They've... It was just like, hey, hey, dude, hey, dude, this chick came over and said that uh, you did this stuff to her. Did you do it? No way, dude. dude. All right. Good enough for us. Do you want a donut? He was a baker. <laughs> oh, that's oh, where the cops ah, are. Oh. Now the connection. Yeah, oh, now we see the circle is closed in the shape of a donut. You know, maybe if you guys could uh, not search my place, I might lose track of a few dozen donuts. <laughs> a baker's dozen, if you will. Mm-hmm. Officers discovered in his home a Remington 552 rifle. A 7mm pistol, an aviation map with specific locations marked with X's. Can you imagine what those might be? Uh, uh, traps. Animal traps. Where they're, he's hunting raccoons. I'm going to go with body dumps. Yes. Various pieces of jewelry from the victims, newspaper clippings, a 12-gauge shotgun, and various ID cards, some of which belonged to the dead woman. Well, they've got nothing to go on there. <laughs> circumstantial. It's yeah. all circumstantial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No eyewitness. How can you prosecute? How can you prosecute without an eyewitness? As incriminating as these items were, the most important piece of evidence was found last a 223 caliber mini 14 rifle that matched the bullet wounds from the corpses found. Mm. Hansen confessed to the following. Whenever Hansen got a victim under his control, he would normally take her to his plane and fly them out to his remote cabin. He would brutally rape and torture the women. Afterwards, 
He would strip them naked, sometimes blindfolding them, and set them free in the woods. Hansen would give his victim a brief head start and then hunt them down with a hunting knife or a high-powered rifle. How brief do you think his brief head start was? Do you think it was like a minute, or do you think he gave him like an hour? Five minutes, maybe? Yeah. I mean, if he's a hunter, he probably knows how to track fairly well. An award-winning well. hunter, uh, a record-breaking hunter. And, and, and most, human, <laughs> most humans hunted. One uh, was one of his records. But oh, the same. Yeah, that's, a, that's a plaque on a <laughs> wall. Most sex trade workers. What does the symbol on the top of that trophy look like? Oh. Is, it, is a woman huddling in a corner? Oh. Oh, it's just a pair of handcuffs interlocked with a rifle. Uh, oh, what a, the great manhunter. Ooh, naked sex trade workers. Sometimes running, blindfolded. Sometimes blindfolded, running through the woods, probably still handcuffed. Oh, yeah. He's, Although he did sometimes use his hunting knife instead of his high-powered rifle. I wonder what, what his criteria was for choosing which to go with. Whimsy. How good he was feeling with his cardio. Yeah, with the, yeah I guess so. Closer. Well, maybe I was like, oh, I had a big breakfast. So I got to work that off with the knife. <laughs> yeah, or just how fleet of foot the girl was. He'd sit there and he'd put them both on the table next to him and see her take off. If she took off like a, you know, like a jackrabbit, it was rifle time. Right, right. Uh, Hanson said that it was like going after a trophy doll sheep or a grizzly bear. Hanson took the authorities out to grave sites in the wilderness. He had raped and assaulted over 30 Alaskan women. He is responsible. What? I thought there were only 30 women in all of Alaska anyway. Well, that's why they have to keep bringing more up there. I see. He is responsible for the murder of at least 17, ranging in age from 16 to 41. Of these 17 women, Hanson has only been formally charged with the murder of four, as well as the kidnapping and rape of Cindy Paulson. He was convicted in 1983 and is currently serving 461 years plus life without chance of parole. 461 plus life? Yeah. That seems fair. And shortly after his conviction, Pope and Young removed Hansen from their record books. Yeah. Oh, they struck his records. This is Lance Armstrong all over again. Lance Armstrong? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of Stretch Armstrong. <laughs> uh, do, do you think they struck it because he was using performance-enhancing drugs? <laughs> Or they counted... That's right, he was high at the time. (laughs) And the Frozen Ground, scheduled for 2013, this very year, based on the true story of Alaskan detective Glenn Floth, Nicolas Cage sets out to end the murderous rampage of Robert Hansen, played by John Cusack. Oh, man. That movie's going to be so awesomely bad. Nicolas Cage versus John Cusack. Yeah. So that's something we can look forward to watching this year. Wow, this guy is... uh, He is twisted mamma jamma. He's one of those people we don't like. Yeah, Just no, to clarify. I'm okay with them striking his uh, his feats from the record book. <laughs> or you know, I, No, I say take out another page. Worst case scenario, you put an asterisk next to him, right? <laughs> you know? So that you can, people can't surpass That's it or right. whatever. But it's just like, oh, we're not proud of this guy, serial killer. You know what I think they should have done? Instead of giving this guy life plus 461 years, yeah. set him free out in the woods and put uh, the marshals on his little, ass. A little tit for tat. Yeah. They, they should have said all, all the sex trade workers in town uh, uh, or, on his ass. Or a pack of dogs, whatever. You know. Sex trade workers leading a pack of dogs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, what kind of weapons would the pack, uh, sex trade workers have at their disposal? I would leave it up to them. Yeah. Cat of nine tails. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exact some oh, slow revenge. No, you know what? Like, just send some uh, engineers in there to build booby traps 
and like deadfalls oh. and uh, callback to our booby traps episode. Send some VC guys in there, do like toe poppers and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and those like grenades and cans and all those stuff. Feces smeared punji sticks. Set them free in that and then release a pack of hounds and then release the sex trade workers. To finish just them come, off. Just come at them in waves. This is a clusterfuck waiting to happen. All the hounds are going to set off all the traps. You're going to have dead dogs <laughs> everywhere. So the women are going to like accidentally spring traps as well. It's a no, classic no. case of too many traps spoil the hunt. No, no, do it running man style where he has to like traverse a section of traps and then okay. he comes into the next section oh, and then it's dogs. Right. And then okay. he comes into the next section and then it's sex trade work. In now fact, they should just cordon off all of Anchorage. Right. <laughs> get everyone out of the city. Yeah. Televise it. They should change the movie to be about that. I take mm. it back. They shouldn't televise it. They should do they should do the story of this guy for the first half hour. And then the last two-thirds of the movie, Act 2 and 3, is just the revenge hunt. Now, all one of us has to do is become like a federal judge. I'm working my way slowly towards it. Yeah, very slowly. I've been watching People's Court and Judge Judy. (laughs) Nice. You guys heard of drag hunting? Do you know what that is? No. No. Is that like some kind of awful thing where you go after drag queens? Mm. Ooh, or uh, you go, you're on the lookout for funny cars for drag racers. When I was like eight years old, you I was always looking out the window. Just waiting like, for a drag. Waiting for like, some, somebody to drive by in a funny by. car. Yeah. <laughs> Try and shoot its tires out and flip it over. Pop the uh, parachute. No, it's when you put drag queens in drag racers. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, and that's then, the drag And then drag, drag things behind yeah. the drag racers. And, and you have to hunt the things that are being dragged behind the drag racers. Driven by drag queens? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a drag. Drag hunting is a sport dating to the early 19th century. A group of dogs, usually foxhounds or beagles, chases a scent that has been laid, dragged, okay. uh, over a course with a defined beginning and end. The scent, usually a combination of aniseed oils and possibly animal meats or urine, okay. is dragged along the train by a human volunteer who has taken on the challenge of running several miles over open countryside with a pack of hounds hot on their heels. Why would somebody volunteer for this? It's like Tough Mudder. (laughs) It's like old-timey Tough Mudder. (laughs) Wow. Drag hunting can be many times the area covered by a fox hunt. Hunters don't ride in a curve or in a figure of eight like normal fox hunts. They ride fast and jump big jumps. All right. On the day of the hunt, the runner is given a 40-minute to one-hour head start. Before he sets off, he will have spent time with the hounds, either getting into the truck with them or playing with them and giving them biscuits so they know the scent that they are following. Okay. The hounds will be taken into the field and pick up the scent. The advantage for the master is that he knows roughly where the runner is supposed to have gone so he can direct the hounds if they lose the scent. Stupid hounds. (laughs) But if they pick up a stray scent, which is airborne, incidentally, they don't go looking for footprints such as walkers. They can go charging off in that direction. When something like that happens, the master may even have to get off his horse and run after the hounds to get them back on track. They know the route the guy is taking? Pretty much, yeah. It sounds like it. Well, where's the what the it's fuck like is a, the point of this? It's like a fox hunt. There's no real challenge to it. It's just that you get to do it and then talk about it. Okay, well, at least at the end of it, does the guy get torn to shreds? <laughs> When, if they finally catch the runner, the hounds are delighted to see him. It's a big game, and they found the man who's got the biscuits. Boo! <laughs> so this is like so this is like paintball with with dogs. Oh, kind of. Boo! Drag hunting is still practiced today. <laughs> what do you mean, boo? <laughs> the alternative is the other story we just heard, where women get hunted and killed. Yeah, but this oh, is a volunteer. You like the idea of someone volunteering to be like, like, yeah, wh- no. how do you want it? Like, you've got a terminal illness or whatever. Or, or you've got a prisoner and like, okay, you can do four <laughs> years in jail. Yeah. 
This is a, this is a lesser, a real life lesser of two evils. Right. What I was thinking, you can do four years in jail, or you can do a drag hunt, or you can survive this drag hunt. Yeah, you can run from these dogs, and if you make it, free to go. So running man. So what you're saying yeah. is, as long as criminals are excellent track runners, they can get away with uh, no punishment. Oh, you can be crafty. You can be crafty. Oh, it's the crafty ones that'll win the day because a dog can outrun I mean, a man. But, anytime. but isn't that a problem? That it's the crafty ones. Well, it depends that would on not the, go well, what if it's like pot users, right? <laughs> like yeah, people who go. go to right. jail for yeah. having is, is an, that ounce, the solution? an ounce of marijuana. Tommy Chong. <laughs> it might be. Tommy Chong. <laughs> it might be. For uh, selling... you're, you're talking about the people who would be the worst at running away. <laughs> and the worst at making decisions, like Dude. whether or not I should do four, <laughs> four years in jail <laughs> or, drag or go hunt. on a drag hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, that would be a tough call. That would be a tough call. Hey, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. <laughs> oh, he's licking my face. <laughs> uh, my throat is being torn out, man. <laughs> Bummer. What a drag. <laughs> uh-huh. Drag hunting is still practiced today, particularly after the after the Hunting Act of 2004 banned the hunting of mammals. Like foxes and whatnot. In, yeah. Where or the, people. Where the fox people are mammals. Where the fox or the rabbit would actually get torn apart. Yeah. See, well, why don't they just make a drag hunt with a fox? And when when the dogs get up to it, the the fox gives them biscuits. Biscuits, yes, exactly. Just a little a little right. a little vest full of <laughs> doggy <Biscuits>. treats. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking they would sew the biscuits. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> sew the biscuits inside the fox, so they just have to open them up and get it. <laughs> we installed this zipper on the fox. It's like it's like a it's like a, a doggy treat pinata. <laughs> I want to do that with my dog now. Put a fox on a line full of doggy treats hanging from the ceiling and give the dog a bat and see what happens. Damn my lack of opposable thumbs. Well, you mentioned paintball. I've done it a lot. Uh, thanks to Amy for our, uh, our research on drag hunting and thanks to uh, Melly for our research on paintball. Mm-hmm. These are two of our fabulous interns. In 1976, Hayes Noel, a stock trader, Bob Gumsey and author Charles Gaines were discussing Gaines's recent trip to Africa and his experiences hunting buffalo. Inspired in part by The Most Dangerous Game, mm-hmm. the novel, they created Paintball, a game where they would stalk and hunt each other, recreating the same adrenaline rush that came with animal hunting. Okay. In a 1981 New York Times article, the three founders state they came up with a game as a means of testing whether city folk could survive in the wilderness. I mean, Ed Torn, have you ever played Paintball? I have not. I remember first starting out playing paintball. I played paintball back in high school. Mm-hmm. We're all kind of like ex D and D nerds, and you know, ninjas and super spies and whatever. And yeah. You get to play kind of. Yeah. You basically get to play army guy for reals, right? But like the technology was not that advanced. You'd get these guns that had like would literally hold like six paintballs. Yeah. Yeah. Right? There's a little tube of paintballs sticking straight up. That's right. The and old you would, nail spot paint guns. And you'd go, you'd go like through six paintballs, and then you'd like put six more paintballs. You'd have to reload, and if you dropped them on the ground, they would they would. Absorb and yeah. you couldn't use them anymore and they were like a 50 cents each and you're like 16 years old so you're like preserving <laughs> each and every bullet right like i would aim like a motherfucker before i let one fly right yeah, yeah. one of the guys showed up one day and he had ordered like a, one of those giant semi-automatic ones probably the from a magazine right and it had like a, a a hopper on the top that would hold like 50 paintball 200. rounds yeah, whatever it was. It was a lot more than six. I own right? one. It was a lot more than six. And so those, we'd all show up and have six. And he would show up with his thing with 
50 or 100 yeah. or 200 in the hopper yes. that could fire semi-automatic. <laughs> yeah, the, remember... nail, the nail spots were, were all, uh, you had to like, to like cock it back every shot. Like you had to pull the, the yes. it was bolt action. Yeah. So you had to pull the bolt back. You had to jiggle it so one paintball fell into the into the chamber, yeah. and then push it forward and hope you didn't cut the paintball in half. Yeah, spewing paint all over your barrel and wrecking it. So you had to stop and open it up and clean it. Yeah, I remember the exact moment I stopped war, playing paintball. War never changes. I, I remember the exact moment I stopped playing paintball. Yeah, this guy who was a friend of mine, his name was Rod, and I saw him walking like along this ridge, and I was down below in these bushes, and I was really well hidden. I saw him. And I'm aiming. I aimed and aimed and aimed, and I had him totally lined up, and I fired my one shot. And it missed him. It flew like in front of his face about a half an inch off the end of his nose. Right. <laughs> and he just, he didn't even look. He just turned around and was like, and just like, you know, predatored me with the minigun. Right. right? <laughs> and just like, I got hit like, yeah. Until <laughs> he ran, ran out of bullets. Yeah. I got hit like five times in like eight seconds or five times in like a second and a half. Yeah. And I'm like, that's it. I'm done. Forget it. I'm done. It was just the, the, the balance of power was too unequal for all, for me to continue playing It's just like ball. Magic the Gathering. The guy with the most, most money yeah. can afford the best cards yeah. or guns and mm-hmm. uh, that, they win. Torrin's brother and I actually and a bunch, of us, a bunch of other friends for one summer, we went every single weekend. We bought our own. I, I still own it. It's packed away somewhere. My Bud or Autococker, which is one of the semi-autos. Uh, not only did I have the 200 hopper uh, holder that goes on top, mine had a little motor in it so that it would like, when it sensed that things were moving, it would like agitate the balls so none of them got stuck trying to go down. Because oh, yeah. a big problem, right, is of course you've got a big thing leading into a little yeah. tube and every once in a while two balls will yeah, stop. Yeah, it's like a gumball so machine. Else. Right, it's like a gumball machine. Where's my fucking gumball? <laughs> so you could buy for $30, you could buy a hopper that's got like a little battery on it and a little tiny motor that all it does is spin so that it makes sure nothing ever gets stuck and it's just more technology. Yeah. yeah. My first time... <laughs> I imagine it looking like those big lottery things. Uh, yeah. You've got a big clear dome on top <laughs> yeah, of your gun. Quite. Bingo! Bingo! <laughs> If you kill somebody with the B-I-N-G-O, you get extra points. <laughs> There's one black ball in there. This is why I'm not gung-ho about war or fighting, and I know that I'm not a badass. My very first time out you on the peed field— peed your pants. Well, I probably should have, but I didn't. Uh, I was hiding behind this stump, and I, I knew the guy was out there somewhere, and I stuck my head out to look at him, and as I stick my head out, just— thunk, <laughs> right in the middle of my forehead. Like dead square between my eyes and up two inches— paintball blam and my vision is all impaired it's all going all over my goggles and i'm like if this was war i would be dead like just game over and i I walked off the field just going okay so i'm gonna stick the paintball rather than actual real weapons (laughs) yes i would try to develop some kind of paintball mustard gas oh nice (laughs) everyone just gets coated in this kind of paint and then i win i'm the one wearing the gas mask they had like co2 uh paint grenades at one it, point. They do. We would hear stories of guys in Texas at expensive fields where you could literally rent a helicopter and fly over dropping buckets of paint on people as napalm. <laughs> I love the smell of paint in the morning. Uh, I smell it in this room right now. I'm getting kind of woozy. So <laughs> back to the story. Yeah. The majority of casualties in paintball are caused by player error, modifications, or removing safety gear. Which you see all the time when they show paintball on, in TV and movies. Every single time they want to stop, everybody stops and they're on the field and you can hear poop, 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 and they lift up their masks because it's TV or whatever right, you want to yeah. see the actor's yeah. face, which is it's the number one rule. You do that in the field I would play on, you're gone. 
Yeah. You're gone and you don't come back. Eye injuries are quite common. Of the injuries, 22% require the removal of the eye. 22%? From, from, from one study. Wow. That's, that's higher than I thought it would have been, actually. 19% cause detached retinas. Okay. This capability is demonstrated in the Exploding Eye Lecture from OptoBook. <laughs> Which we will link to. I do like the term exploding eye lecture. Yeah, where a paintball obliterates a surrogate human eye, in this case, a pig eye. Okay. Yeah. Uh, other reported injuries include subcapsular hematoma of the kidney. That sounds pretty good. Ooh, wow. And urologic trauma. Go getting shot in the, in the dick. <laughs> has been reported. Yeah. Scrotal rupture and penoscrotal lymphedema. <laughs> Scrotal rupture? How fuck? How much air pressure are these guys putting on these guns? You may remember the word lymphedema from uh, our live episode where we talked about the the guy with the giant uh, scrotum. Yes. Mm. Uh-huh. And a common modification of paintball guns can cause the pressurized gas cylinder to forcefully eject and impact bystanders. That's also <laughs> a, a hazard. Right. This oh. DIY modification has been tied to 73 injuries and seven deaths. Yeah, well, I guess the canister, if it came out like full force, I mean, it'd be like a bullet, be like a giant metal yeah. you know, RPG, like an actual yeah. freaking projectile. I've, I've seen a paintball injury. It's not one of the ones that uh, was reported here. Let's but, talk uh, about your, your worst paintball injuries. It, it wasn't mine. It was my friend's, but I, I like saw it happen. I was He was on my team. Because we you shot we're, him point blank we're, in, we're, the, we're, in the nostril? No, no, he was on my team. Uh, <laughs> and he, you shot him point blank in the nostril? <laughs> no, that was the other guy who was stoned all the time. Uh, he was on my team. We were playing. Uh, there was like this town, quote unquote town, you know, just a bunch of lumber yeah. made yeah, yeah, to look yeah. like shady little buildings. And uh, I was up in top of one of the towers and he was down on the ground and I was shouting down to warn him that somebody was flanking him as that guy flanking him came around the corner and shot him. And Dave didn't turn to look. The guy shot him from the side. And Dave's mask was, uh, he had like basically goggles only. Okay. So he had no actual head protection. I had a full wraparound thing that held my goggles in place. So I was protected. He got it right in the temple. Ooh. And I watched him just crumple. Like KO. He knocked out, unconscious. And of course we stopped. You know, everybody stopped. Except for Kevin. But he was unconscious for a good 10 seconds. you suckers. I'm just having to saunter over and grab that flag while everybody. <laughs> like, I don't know, you know. To this day, he can't say the letter B. Uh, I never got like a really bad uh, injury, but the most painful paintball shot I ever received. I was advancing and I saw a guy like hiding behind a tree. And so he started like running and I started running after him. I was shooting after him and he just like was kind of had his gun pointed back and he was shooting back at me. Oh, right. well, Both our away. arms were raised and we were kind of running sideways shooting at each other. <laughs> and uh, I hit him and he hit me like simultaneously. Yeah. But the one that he hit me with hit me right in the armpit. Oh, like the like lymph went, node or whatever. It went like under my arm. <laughs> and I like without... Any control over, like, lost control of my body. Yeah. Like, I That's fell. the pressure point. Like, it hit That's me like the, the, well, the, ninja, the ninja death strike. Yeah. Right there. That's the pressure point. There's nothing right there that protects your body from impact, right? Like, yeah. there's a certain spot where your ribs aren't even covering anything, so it's just straight into your interior, all that oh, shot goes. I, I don't know if it hit a nerve cluster or whatever, but, like, I literally stopped moving. I, I would, like, went <laughs> face first on the ground. in the dirt. Like, I was like, oh, I'm hit, I'm hit. And I think the reason it hurts so badly, because as soon as you yell, you're hit, you're, you're considered 
you're dead no matter what. But the paintball didn't explode. So technically, I wasn't oh, it dead. Was just, oh. It was just a flesh wound. Yeah, except scratch. for the fact that it was so painful that I went down like a squealing little heap <laughs> And then of... six guys converged on you. Like point blank range. You're just covered in paint. Yeah, and I got that nice, like, wicked, awesome, like, divoted welt that you get from the ones that don't explode. Oh, yeah. It, like, literally looks like a little crater because the the edges raise, right? Uh, I had one of those right in my armpit. That was awesome. That was by far the most painful paintball I ever got hit by it with. But we would play Terminator games because we, we would go so often and knew all the guys in the field. We were good friends with the guys who ran the field. Uh, we would just start making up our own games rather than capture the flag. And we invented one or they invented one that we would play called Terminator where you dress one guy up in as much padding as you can and he got to have two of the automatic uh, or semi-automatic weapons the only way you can win is by crushing him inside of a metal <laughs> he would have he would have a target on his chest that was that was like about the size of a piece of paper or oh, so okay. and you had to drench the target in paint like not just hit it but it had to be covered in paint. We had a, so a referee judging. Kind of like laser judging. tag kind of a thing. Right, exactly. And so it was him against like a dozen guys. Okay. And he wasn't allowed to run. <laughs> he had to just so walk he had to walk around going and everybody else would just be trying their darndest to just cover that target and he'd be turning sideways and they'd try to flank him and things like that It was, but that guy would be covered in bruises despite all this padding like you're getting hit it's like 300 feet per second yeah, which, yeah, is, yeah. which is the muzzle velocity that's like 200 miles an hour let, let me ask you one question yeah was the guy who suggested this game <laughs> The paint salesman? Yeah. Because this sounds like something that would expend a (laughs) lot of paintballs. Oh, yes. And all the time he'd be going, dun, 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 (laughs) dun, 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 dun. I need your clothes, your boots, (laughs) and your jacket. (laughs) And your motorcycle. And other words that I'm forgetting wrong. Looking around corners for you. I'm a fool, but what can I do? Ever since the day you went, I'm wondering the way you went. Looking around corners for you. Looking around corners for you. Hoping that you pop into view. Searching for a trace of you to see that lovely face of you. Looking around corners for you. I think I'll tell the missing person bureau. You're a person that I'm missing so. Why must I weep on the pillow I sleep on? Tell me, my darling, how long must I keep on looking around corners for you? It's raining though the skies above are blue, and the sun ain't gonna shine again until you say you're mine again. Looking around corners, looking in windows, searching, waiting, hopeless, helpless, looking around corners for you. Friday, October 12th, 2012, Akron, Ohio. 
A man lured to Ohio by a phony Craigslist job ad testified on Friday that a teenager charged with trying to kill him waited in a car while an accomplice walked into a heavily wooded area with the victim and shot him last November. What was the Craigslist ad for? Uh, a phony job ad. And then he let somebody lead him into the woods? It was actually for to watch over a 700-acre patch of hilly farmland and feed a few cows. All right, that, that gives you a reason to lead somebody in 300 the woods. 300 bucks a month. So basically he probably wanted to show up a couple times a week and... Make sure everything's right, okay. Right, Either that or it's the appeal of humping cows right. out in the woods where nobody can hear them. They, or they made it up and he needed a job. Yeah. Uh, I heard a curse word. I heard a gun cock. I knew I was in trouble. Scott Davis, 49, testified as the first witness called by prosecutors in the trial of Brogan Rafferty. Rafferty, 17, and Richard Beasley, 53, are charged with the aggravated murders of three men found buried in shallow graves around Ohio last year. Beasley faces the death penalty in a separate trial expected to begin in January. So another another one of these, like, teenager and old dude team-ups. Like the it's Washington like Batman Sniper. and Robin. Yeah. Yeah. Only bad man. Bad man. And robber. <laughs> bad man and robber. I'm sure that's been done before. I don't know why I haven't. <laughs> why haven't I seen that comic? I, yeah. <laughs> He spun around when he heard the cocking sound, saw a gun pointed at his face, and was shot in the right elbow as he tried to push the gun away, Davis said. I ran as fast as I could, but it kept falling down, Davis said. <laughs> he continued to fire at me as I ran out of the woods and out into the road. So what this guy is testifying to is basically that Hollywood actually has this one right. Like that when people like scramble to run and they trip and yeah. fall like After seven times. you shot in the elbow, you might fall down a few times. Yeah. <laughs> I would lie there going, ah, don't do that anymore. Hey, come That's on. smart. Stop it. What are you it? doing? <laughs> Blam, blam, blam. Davis said he hid in a partially dried up creek bed listening for Rafferty's car and walked for help hours later, still badly bleeding as it got dark. The bullet was surgically removed and he spent five days in the hospital. I wish these guys had given him a little more lead time. Yeah, it's not exactly hunting, right? Like, come on out here. Click, bang. I know, you set a trap. You lure somebody out to a remote area. It's kind of You didn't hunting. tell them. You didn't say, right, run, we're going to shoot at you. Yeah. yeah you just start shooting. It's run, hunt. blam. <laughs> it's hunt-ish. So it is. I want to, what, like, it was just the thrill of the kill for these guys, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they'd done it already. I like guess there's serial times, killers yeah. who like to do it. It's got to, the motivation has to just be the killing. Because if a guy's answering an ad for a $300 a month job, you know, it's not like they're loaded. The robbery is not the uh, major motive it here. It could be that he spent a lot of money on a nice shovel oh. <laughs> and just wanted to get some value out of it by digging some shallow graves. <laughs> got it. Well, I'm sure that That's the way I felt after I got my brand new <laughs> shovel. <laughs> is there something you want to tell us, Torn? <laughs> no. What do you mean? I wish I had a reason to dig shallow graves. <laughs> Can you just do volunteer work at graveyards? <laughs> Ooh. Hey, I, I got the shovel. Uh, need any holes dug? That's just what the guy said before I killed him and buried him in a shallow grave. <laughs> from July 2011, an unemployed man from Utah calling himself Mork Encino took out an ad offering himself up as human prey for the modest price of $10,000 or $2,000 extra if he were nude. What? <laughs> His, I would have demanded a deal if he did it new. Right. I mean, no, like, I'm not $2,000 off. Yeah, exactly. I don't, this is, that's more for you than me. Trust me. His tantalizing offer read, I seek hearty gents who fancy themselves sportsmen and bored of the usual game. I am a new breed of prey with thick pelt and smooth hide. What? This, <laughs> I wondered if this was real. Okay. This, this showed up on the Daily Fail. I mean, the Daily Mail. Yeah. <laughs> Since the story showed up, you can go to his website, and there's a video of him, and 
it's obviously a hoax. Okay. Because well, for, for starters, his name is Mork Encino. Right, but he could be doing a, uh, a a pseudonym. But uh, now on his website, there's like a statement from his father saying, "This here's the last known video of my son, okay. and it's him, you know, having a beverage in a wheelbarrow, and R. some R. guy comes out of the, the woods with a hunting gun. Okay, and then he sees him, and he goes, "Oh shit!" and gets starts to slowly get out of the wheelbarrow. So. <laughs> It's it's actually kind of funny. Yeah, this is uh, this is Mork's father, Mordecai Encino. <laughs> Below, please find video that leads myself and my wife to believe that our son is dead. R.I.P. Mork, you idiot. Yeah. Okay, but here's the thing. Say it were true. Say somebody actually did, because this kind of harkens back to the Craigslist ad in our cannibalism episode where a guy advertised, Mm -hmm. please, somebody answer this ad so I can eat you. He he was a cannibal advertising for victims. You know, you can understand somebody maybe being mentally deranged and saying, hey, I want to be hunted. I want to die. You know, suicide by by hunter. Mm -hmm. If that were the case... What would you do with the money? Like, what's the point of the $10,000 if you're going to, you know, get whacked? Uh, Well, I guess the idea is that you don't get whacked. Or maybe you get ten k like three months in advance. You know, you would, yeah. So you get three months of fun and then, all right, let's go. Oh, or there's like a finite, okay, you can hunt me for X number of months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You set out of the rules beforehand. Okay. So yeah, I'm I'm going to start here. (laughs) I'm going to end up here. If you don't get me by the time I get up and up here, then... This is you like lose. assuming that if you did set up that set of rules, that the person who paid ten thousand dollars for the thrill of hunting you was willing to stop. Right? He got to the point where you're like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I paid my ten thousand dollars. I'm getting my ten thousand dollars worth. I'm gonna at least wing you. Well, he did get to the end. Fair's fair, <laughs> but I'm still shooting him. <laughs> also, in the not real news from January two thousand six, Maverick Hunters human beings as prey plan not as challenging as expected. Okay. Dateline Peril Island. (laughs) Big game hunter Baron Hugo von Urwitz conceded Tuesday that his theory that human beings are the most cunning and challenging of quarry is seriously flawed. (laughs) Perhaps I gave my fellow man too much credit, said von Urwitz, looking on as his servants carried three lifeless human beings bound to poles by their hands and ankles. Mm -hmm. Bored with netting such elusive and dangerous prey as Bengal tigers, white rhinos, and Cape buffalo... The 51-year-old adventurer said he thought it would be capital sport to hunt humans on his uncharted, densely forested private island. Yeah, I, uh-huh. you, you see this in a lot of... Like, we, we've watched a lot of movies now about hunting humans, and uh-huh. really, yeah, they're not the most dangerous game. <laughs> like, you really have to, like, up the script to make it work. Yeah. You have to uh-huh. make things unreasonably, uh, like, unlikely. My huntsman's heart thrilled as the prospect of bringing down a live human, who alone in the animal kingdom has the capacity to outwit and even best his enemies through sheer intellect. Von Urwitz said, What I neglected to consider is that man is also alone in the capacity to tumble straight into quicksand while (laughs) fleeing from a swarm of yellow jackets after trying to steal honey from their nest. (laughs) The double joke being there that hornets don't make honey. Yes. Von Erwitz chanced upon his stock of prey Saturday after a chartered luxury yacht ran aground in the shoals surrounding his island. The yacht's 29 passengers and five crew members were promptly invited to lodge in the Baron's imposing fortress. <laughs> At dawn Sunday, Von Erwitz roused his guests to announce his shocking intent to hunt them. Allowing them only small knives and the clothes on their backs, he anticipated that his human prey would elude him in inventive and clever ways, and perhaps even make their hunter 
the hunted himself. I would mm-hmm. love to be a rich guy with an island yeah. and have a cruise ship <laughs> strand. And I, no, no, come on into my imposing, well, it looks like a fortress, but really, you know, there's beasts. So, And mm. then let them all have dinner and then raise a glass. I'm here to let you know that I'm going to be hunting you tomorrow and have them all get shocked. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Yet in the first night alone, eight tourists died of exposure. <laughs> I'm not even sure I need to be here, really, Von Urwitz added. <laughs> At the very least, I assume they would take to the trees and hills in desperate flight. Instead, many of them just milled about like peons within the confines of my estate, periodically rattling the back door knob to ensure that it hadn't been unlocked since last they checked. <laughs> and it goes on and on and okay, on. Okay, so this is hilarious. Who, yeah. who wrote this? Where's this one from? It's from The Onion. Ah, there you go. Finally. Are we ready to go into pop culture? Because we can go straight into uh, the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode. Sure. Where it was a non-lethal manhunt that they proposed. Tell me more. Uh, if For anybody who hasn't <laughs> seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, it is one of the most twisted and hilarious yeah. television shows ever made. And, Starring the uh, Penguin. Danny DeVito. Yeah, that's that's the guy. Danny DeVito Obviously. Is, who else could I be talking he's about? He's one of the characters, but he's not the main character. All right. He's a supporting cast member. He's the father of two of the main characters. Yeah, and uh, it's about a, a, a cast of deplorable people who... Completely uh, deplorable. <laughs> There's one episode where, for fun, they decide to get addicted to crack cocaine. <laughs> no, they decide to get addicted to crack cocaine so they can get on welfare. That's right. Right. Uh, and it, there was one episode where uh, Mac and Dennis, two of the characters, decide that it would be fun to hunt a human. So there's a recurring character named Rickety Cricket. That Rickety uh, Cricket. Yeah, he started out. That's what they call him in high school. And he he started out as a priest, but they 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 soon got him addicted to crack cocaine, and then uh, have victimized him on okay. several occasions ever since. So decided that he was going to be their prey, and uh, they decided when they caught him, they would probably teabag him. By, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there was all sorts of discussions. He's like, no, T-Bang's all. We keep doing that. You gotta, you can't leave a mark. And he's like, well, what if you dip your balls in ink? And then you could, you know. Then you T-Bang. Then you put your balls in his mouth and you'll have a blue tongue, right? And uh, the other guy, <laughs> Mac, proposed that instead you cover their face in something sticky and then shave your pubes on their face and call, oh. it, and call it Gorilla Mask. <laughs> So they weren't exactly sure right. what they were going to do when they caught him. But they they dress up in urban camo yeah. and then sit around on the street getting yeah. drunk while they hope that he walks by. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because as, in, as well as being horrible people, they're also complete incompetence. Right. Like they're all total losers. And Rickety Cricket just seem, is like more of a loser. Okay. So they're, the, they're losers, but they bully the even bigger loser. Well, also in the TV medium, the pilot for Fantasy Island. Oh, okay. There's a manhunt in Fantasy Island. <laughs> Guilt-ridden who's, bounty... Whose fantasy was this? <laughs> Guilt-ridden bounty hunter Paul Henley's fantasy is to be killed so that he no longer feels remorse for the deaths he caused. So Mr. Rourke sends Henley on a hunt on the island where he is the prey. Oh. Yeah. That's pretty dark. I tried to find it. I could not find... Yeah. I, try, I, want, I desperately wanted to watch this I'm sure of I've Fantasy seen Island. It because I was, I was quite young. It was 1977. But- and this is a bit of like a pilot, so yeah. it may have been longer than a regular episode. I'm no, sure. I'm pretty sure because when I was a kid, so I would have been – I'm going to date myself now. I would be nine. Uh, so it was Fantasy Island and Love Boat Night at my yeah. house when yes. that aired. And we would all – it was a family night. We would sit down and watch Fantasy Island – or Love Boat and then Fantasy Island. And then there would be the awesome crossover where the Love Boat would come to Fantasy yeah, Island. Yeah, <laughs> Oh, my God. 
I do remember that every so often. I was often, like Marvel and DC. <laughs> it wasn't, it didn't happen all the time, but every so often, Fantasy Island would have, like, it would go seriously dark. Yeah. Like, somebody's fantasy would go horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> well, and there'd and be hints that Mr. Rourke had, like, supernatural associations powers with or... dark powers. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Supposed, I think he was supposed to be immortal or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was definitely that element to it. They it's... should redo that show and, and he, well, he less cheese it. I know so he's... he probably lived like several tw- lifetimes. Yeah, uh, but I do. I, I, but that's genetically a... engineered, Mister Rourke. So he's Khan, who went back in time and <laughs> yes. is trying to make up for all of his villainous deeds by providing fantasies for people <laughs> yes. on Got this it. island that probably uses the hyper technology that he brought back from the future. There, we've solved it's Fantasy all, Island. It's all holograms. It all happened on the holodeck. But a uh, but a manhunt. <laughs> But a manhunt is significantly darker than any other episode I remember seeing. And then in Germany, Das Millionspiel. Das Millionspiel. Das Millionspiel. Das Millionenspiel. Okay. The Game of Millions, sometimes translated as Chance for a Million, a German action sci-fi television film from 1970. Oh, wow. Really old. Adapting the short story The Prize of Peril by American writer Robert Sheckley. Oh, he writes a lot of things about hunting humans because he also wrote The Tenth Victim, which I've actually read. Oh, okay. I don't remember much except that it was quite good. Received the 1971 Prix Italia for Best Television Movie. <laughs> to win the grand prize of one million German marks, a candidate must survive seven days on the run while being hunted by a gang of hunters. The whole country watches the manhunt on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, our hero tries hiding, but he is always recognized. So I'm not sure if that means that this happens like in an urban environment. It must just happen like in regular society. Yeah. Some people want to deliver him to the Kohler gang, which I guess is the gang of hunters, but some help him. Uh, in the grand finale, the hero has to pass through the death spiral, a long tube <laughs> of bulletproof glass with three openings through which the Kohler gang can shoot him. Oh. <laughs> okay. Then. Like with actual das bullets? They had me up until actual shooting. Yeah. Like this uh, would be completely fun if you use technology to make it non-lethal. I think I would like to watch this. As okay. well, with no subtitles. Well, this is obviously Talk fictional. Oh, yeah. And have you guys ever watched an episode of Man Tracker? Uh, I have watched more than one episode of Man Tracker. I'll tell you what drives me crazy about Man Tracker. <laughs> yes. Okay. The fact that the people, as discussed in the Onion article, are incredibly stupid. Oh, most of the time, absolutely. But here's the bigger problem, right? You have a camera crew following them. Yeah. So no matter probably with how, big bright yeah, <laughs> vests. Vests and lights and whatnot. So no matter how sneaky the people are... It wouldn't be hard for a guy on a horse to spot an entire camera and sound crew, yeah. you know, f- running along a ridge, right? And then, like, say these guys, like, they always bring in athletes and stuff. Like that. Oh, they can outrun it and they can, like, climb the mountain or whatever. But they can never go anywhere that a camera crew can't go, yeah. right? Yeah. So you're only as good as, like, you know, the fat sound guy who, <laughs> you know. Oh, Biff, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Who, uh, you know, huffs and puffs and, like, I need water, I need to break. <laughs> Fucking mosquitoes, Jesus Christ. He should be called Crew Tracker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they play up this whole, like, oh, he, like, spots them and blah, 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 and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, I don't know. It just seems forced to me. Like, it has to be completely manufactured. You Plus, know? there's no prize and nobody gets killed. And again, it really it seems just like a cardio race unless the hunter gets to have a vehicle. Like, Yeah, no, the hunter's on a horse. Oh, okay. Yeah. Go. Yeah, they should have them like with just like little... Um, Mounted on their hats or helmets mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Cameras and then maybe like some kind of satellite thing going on. Yeah. Some night vision. Give the man tracker himself like a full-on camera crew because, you know, who yeah. cares if they can see him, right? Right. But like, you know, make him like low profile and like real sneaky. 
But, but hey, again, oh, guess what? Reality television is fake. Oh. <laughs> well, let's go to literature. Okay. The Most Dangerous Game, also published as The Hounds of Zaroff, a short story by Richard Connell from 1924. Big game hunter Rainsford falls overboard during the night while traveling through the Caribbean and realizing he can't catch up to the boat, swims to a nearby island where he finds a chateau inhabited by another big game hunter, Zaroff, and his deaf-mute servant, Ivan. During dinner, Zaroff explains that he got bored with hunting because he is no longer found it challenging. So he decided to live on an island where he can capture shipwrecked sailors and hunt them. Oh, he tells them straight out? Yeah. Whoa. Zaroff invites Rainford to join him on his next hunt. And when Rainsford declines, he is given the option of being the prey in the next hunt or be whipped to death by oh. Ivan. Hmm. Okay. Lesser of two evils? <laughs> huh. Rainsford chooses the former and sets off into the jungle. But it's still, you know, this is from the 20s. I mean, this has obviously been the influence for every story that's followed yeah. this trope since. You it's know? become, and, like the cliche, the most dangerous, dangerous game. game yeah. Exactly. There was a 1932 film, which was a bit different. It's starring Fay Ray and Robert Armstrong, both who were in King Kong, yep. which was filming simultaneously. And that would be the most dangerous game. King, King Kong. Kong. <laughs> <laughs> they should have renamed it. They should have switched the titles. <laughs> yeah. And then put some kind of Kongly king in, <laughs> in, in the chateau. In the chateau. Yeah. <laughs> I watched this movie. Oh, the 1932 movie? Yeah. It wasn't great, but okay. for the time, I guess it was pretty... Interesting. Was it silent? It must have been silent. No, it wasn't silent. 1932. Okay. Uh, it is just over an hour long. It is public domain, so you can just go on YouTube or your video site of choice. Oh. Back in the day when when movies didn't have to be 90 minutes because you could like watch you know serials beforehand yeah. and watch like when going to the theater cartoons, was, like, cartoons. It was a whole thing, right? There's a bunch of the movies from that era that are like 63 minutes. Like a bunch of Marx Brothers movies are like 48 minutes and 63 minutes. They should and stuff do that like more that. often. I mean, Pixar's got their little, you know, five minute in, in front. Can Maybe you imagine if they some... put like a newsreel and a cartoon and a little serial before The Hobbit? Well, not a newsreel, but a, but a cart. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm not saying all. I'm saying the sh- people should make some shorter form films. And put like little twenty minute uh, well, you animated know, features you, in the front. You know who'd be in favor of this would be the studios. And then they'd do something in three D that's like fifty three minutes long. You'd yeah. pay seventeen ninety five for it. Yeah. So some IMDb trivia: the dogs were Great Danes, and they didn't appear particularly threatening on the, in the film. So they darkened them. Oh. They made them darker. They painted them darker. Is more threatening. <laughs> yeah. The trophy room scenes were much longer in the preview version. There were more heads in jars, but there was also an an emaciated sailor stuffed and mounted next to a tree where he was impaled by Zeroff's arrow. Oh, wow. And another full-body figure stuffed with the bodies of two of the hunting dogs mounted in a death grip. Nice. Well, this sounds pretty gruesome, actually. It sounds kind of fun. Yeah, preview audiences cringed and shuddered at the head in the bottle and the mounted heads. But when they saw the mounted figures and heard Zeroff's dialogue describing in detail how each man had died, they began heading for the exit, so these shots disappeared in the final version. How times have changed. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. What would they have done if they saw the human centipede? (laughs) Or the hell saw. Yeah. And The Hunger Games was a book. Yeah. Who's Uh read that book? I have, I have not, not read that. Now, after having watched the movie for this episode, I will not be reading the book. Tell us about the movie. It's really predictable. <laughs> Real, in fact, about a third of the way into the movie, mm-hmm. I looked at Joe and I said, I think this is how it's going to end. Yeah. And it is exactly how it ended. I don't want to give too many spoilers away. Yeah. Well, how was the hunting? Yeah. Uh, 
Well, here's mm. the problem. Uh, none of the kids know what's going on. They spend a whole bunch of time dealing with the celebrity of being chosen for this game. Yeah, I remember um, watching the first 10 minutes and then getting bored and watching something else. That's a, That was what happened the first time I tried to watch it. And then I had to watch it for this, so Kevin and I watched it together. And I got through it, and it was actually ended up being better than I thought it would be. But I thought it would be kind of crappy. So it was, it was okay. There were just so many moments where you went, What? Yeah. No, that's <laughs> stupid. Like just well, they're all so teenagers, right? That. They're all teenagers. They're, they're 12... acting stupid or things that are the, shown in the movie. Are they're between stupid. twelve and eighteen. Well, like for instance, one of the very first altercations after the hunt starts, our hero Katniss uh, climbs a tree, and everybody at the bottom of the tree all have weapons. They all have swords and bows and arrows and whatever, and they decide collectively. And she's just sitting on a branch at the top of a tree, and they tried to shoot her twice but missed. Right? Oh. <laughs> So And then she yells down, oh, you only have like a half a dozen arrows left, right? And so then they decide collectively to sit at the bottom of the tree and wait for her to come down. Okay. Throw rocks at her. Yeah. Throw rocks at her. <laughs> maybe reposition so you can get a better angle with your bow and arrow. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe try and climb the tree because she has no weapons and you have swords and spears. You're like I would have thought of four thousand things to do before what they actually and did. And it would have been more entertaining than sitting at the bottom of the, watching someone sit at and, the bottom of a tree. <laughs> there's four of them, and it get, it goes to dark, and the four of them decide to all go to sleep simultaneously <laughs> while setting a sentry. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. like they, people stopped yeah, playing Dungeons dumb. and Dragons and yeah. back then. Two <laughs> in the future. And one We're of the plot points future. is that two of these four characters have been raised to be in the competition since birth. That they had gone to. A oh, special, they're the hunters. Yeah, they're the hunter. They would have gone to. They went to a special academy. Well, everybody's a hunter technically, but they're from the one district that has the money to train their kids to do well in this. Everybody oh, else is I super see. poor, and they kind of get randomly chosen. The, these two like learned to be awesome, and then volunteered to go into. This. Right. So this is all. All the kids are hunting each other. There's no like one group of hunters hunting. Right, yes, they're all right. hunting each other. As a matter of fact, the very first scene, there's 24 kids, 24 tw- kids, 12 districts. There's a boy and a girl from each one. The very first scene, they're all standing around in a circle on these little. Uh, platforms, stand, platforms yeah. and the timer goes down and as soon as it happens they can either run into the center to try and get the equipment or run into the woods and run away and about uh, three quarters of them run in the middle and there's just a huge melee where they all try to kill each other oh nice and then there was the scene where uh, one of the bad girls has a knife to the throat of our hero and she monologues for a minute and a half yeah instead of killing her like yeah. it just this movie drove me crazy. I will not be seeing any of the other movies. She could have cut her throat and then monologued while she died. While she's bleeding to death. Yes, precisely. I know. You're saying there's going to be more Hunger Games movie? Two more. There's Two a trilogy. More. Oh, geez, See, here's Louise. the problem. Here's the problem with this movie cuz it had the setup for this film was way too long. Yeah. Uh, like the movie's two and a half hours long and the setup really could have been easily half as long. Could have cut a half hour of this movie easy. The problem is that they knew it's one of these things like The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and uh, um, the, the, the prequel Star Wars movies that they knew they're making all three movies no matter what. That this movie's going to be a smash hit. It's going to make hundreds of millions of dollars. It's just a matter of how much money it's going to make, not whether it's going to do well. And so they don't have to make the movie stand alone on its own two feet. Right. And th- this is what drives me crazy about these like tentpole productions that they know are going to go on and on and on and on and on. And it's become a franchise. And it, it, it this movie does not stand on its own two feet. Well, how does it compare then to Bataru Royale? Battle Royale is far superior. I watched Battle Royale for the first time yesterday as research for this. And I don't know if I love it. 
but certainly better. I think I'd give Hunger Games like about a five, and I'd give Battle Royale maybe a six or a seven. It's pretty much exactly the same concept, yes or no? Yeah, except for the fact that ba- a- Battle Royale has a, a six and a half minute setup, and then they're in to kill each other. <laughs> and the really, the great thing about Battle Royale, the thing that really makes it worth watching, is that all the kids in it are all from the same class. So they all know each other. They all, all right. are friends. None of them, for some, even though there's a big uh, news release at the beginning of the previous game being won by somebody, somehow these kids don't know anything about this act. I guess they're crappy students or something like that. Uh, they get randomly chosen to just go to this island and all have to kill each other, and the one left at the end wins. They have to think, oh my goodness, like how do I kill one of my best friends? Because right. if at the end of the three days, if there's more than one of them left alive, they all die. They all die. Their heads will all explode because they've got collars on. Oh. We'll deal with that. So they know if we don't like take out my friends, then I'm, I'm going to die at the end of three days anyway. Yeah. So it, that that whole tension is really good, and yeah. that is what makes it a better movie. Yeah, there's actual character. Right. And, you know, I mean, they're not just caricatures, right? Yeah. They all get a different uh, device or weapon or, or thing mm-hmm. to assist them. Completely and random. One completely, guy gets a pot lid. Yeah, completely at random. Oh, how does he do? Is he the one who... <laughs> not well. Oh. <laughs> it's really entertaining. There's some twists and turns, and I didn't know how it was going to end. It was great. Well, I watched Surviving the Game from 1994... Okay. Mm-hmm. Starring Ice T. <laughs> oh, yeah? As Homeless Dude. Oh, man. Look okay. at this cast. With Rutger Hauer. Yes. Uh-huh. Charles S. Dutton. Mm-hmm. He was uh, from uh, the um, David it- Fincher. Alien movie. Yeah, Alien 3. Gary Busey. Uh, but uh, if it's from the 90s, then it's before his motorcycle accident and his brain yep. damage. Yeah. F. Murray Abraham. Holy Jesus. And, yeah. And John C. McGinley. I do like John C. McGinley. Yeah, yeah. From uh, the weird older guy from Scrubs. Yep. Yeah. Not old, old guy. Weird? But well, awesome. He was also the downsizer. <laughs> he was also the downsizer in Office Space. Okay. <laughs> what is it you do here? A homeless man is hired as a survival guide for a group of wealthy businessmen on a hunting trip in the mountains, unaware that they are killers who hunt humans for sport and that he is their new prey. Oh, so they hire him as a guide, but then they like, once they get out there, they go, okay, guide yourself, sucker. There's a scene which features a room with human heads preserved in jars on shelves. Mm -hmm. So that's always good. Call back to the the older movie that they pulled it out. Ice tea. He's just like a regular guy. He's got this this past where he's his family has been burned, and it was kind of sort of his fault. Right. Um, so he's got nothing to lose. He's living on the street. Mm. Uh, Charles S. Dutton pl- works at a homeless shelter, soup kitchen kind of a thing. Okay. So he kind of marks Ice T because he sees him in a fight with this security guard when he's stealing some meat from some. Meat oh, so place. that he's not like a pushover. Yeah, exactly. So he fingers him. it's it's not that kind of a movie kevin (laughs) it's funny because i was making a joke when we were watching uh, hard target that they should just turn uh, the hunting things into uh, competitions where at the end if you catch them you get to have sex with them (laughs) consensually of course that's the deal like (laughs) catch me if you can (laughs) (laughs) right but it has this weird turnaround point where He's Ice T is just trying to survive. He kills Gary Busey. Mm-hmm. He goes back to the cabin. No one's ever done. No one's ever gone back to the cabin before. He starts a fire. Um, so throughout this movie, he's trying to survive. And then they kind of switch POVs where now the hunters 
you see more of them and what they're doing. Right. And then Ice-T is like the the guy in the shadows who's um, going to kill them. So it was kind so of it, awkward. They changed it, perspective. Like yeah. it wasn't it, the protagonist like almost shifted from one yes. to the other. Yeah. And then it was kind of it, it was wasn't entirely smooth and as successful as I think they wanted it to be. So a good try, but meh. Yeah. yeah okay. I wouldn't really recommend watching this movie. Okay. But you weren't angry. I didn't turn off the television in rage. So we watched Hard Target, or I watched Hard Target. I, think I also you guys watched have Hard all Target. Seen it before. Wow, this movie is bad. I saw this movie in the theater. Oh. Yeah. I'll tell you what I love about Hard Target. Okay. All the arrow stuff where you got the like the flying arrows and the uh I thought it was really inventive filmmaking and I, I was like I've never heard of this guy before and uh I did some investigation. He was this, you know, Hong Kong action guru and mm-hmm. uh it made me stumble upon stuff like Hard Boiled and The Killer, okay. which are, you know, amazing films. And when did, what year did it come out? Nineteen ninety three. Yeah, so I mean, I was uh, at, at twenty years old. You know, I was kind of in. It was kind of in my wheelhouse. I still like Steven Seagal movies. At that point in time, I still thought <laughs> right. Steven Seagal okay. was yeah. something worth going to watch. Yeah, All fair right. enough. Like, well, the plot was right. a new a woman arrives in New Orleans and hires an unemployed dock worker, Jean Claude Van Damme, to help her find her missing father. They discover that her father has been killed by a group holding human hunting expeditions. Yep. Mm-hmm. Van Damme does some detective work. Finding the bad guys and proceeds to kick some ass. Okay, so kinda, I, sorta. <laughs> I want to talk about the one part that I really thought was hilarious and well done in the movie, which is right at the beginning when she's being harassed by two guys, and he walks up, and I, I can't even do his terrible Belgian accent. You guys better back off or whatever. Like he's you know telling them to get away, and they're like, "Who the fuck are you, man?" And he goes, he pulls his trench coat aside, like whoo, goes slow mo, and you even hear it go. Again, a very John Woo move. Totally. And it's normally the trench coat pulls aside to show the gun in the holster, right? But instead, it's John Claude Van Damme's leg. (laughs) And then he goes, and kicks them in the face. And I'm like, he takes them all down with his sweeping leg kicks. And I'm like, okay, the, the leg reveal instead of a holster was good. Well, it did have a snake scene. Yes. Uh-huh. Where Jean-Claude Van Damme pulls the rattle off of a snake. Bites it off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bites it off. <laughs> and then sets it up as this kind of a trap. He knocks it unconscious by punching That's it. That's right. <laughs> and then I guess he sets it up as a trap somehow. Yeah. Presumably it doesn't bleed to death ever living it. I don't know how snake anatomy works, whether or not you would actually... I think the rattle is like a, like a, a fingernail extension. I think it, it may, can come off. Maybe. Um, and then, of course, it ends up biting one of the guys <laughs> like, who's tracking them. Yeah. Right. This completely random, terrible trap lands the snake right in the... Like, the snake managed to get him right in the face. And- it was definitely my favorite part of the movie when they started going into the bayou and they were doing that whole hunting part. Yes. And then they got to this warehouse full of old... Um, Amusement park No, it was uh, Mardi Gras or- oh, floats right. and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And then it was just... Mayhem. Just mayhem. And, and yeah. terrible mayhem. And Lance Henriksen and totally going way over the top and just like shouting at the sky for no reason at the drop of a hat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm full of rage. Oh, fuck <laughs> yeah. you. He's on fire and he's slowly pulling his burning trench coat off. <laughs> I'm going to get that guy. I'm like, dude, you're on fire. You should be way faster doing that. What's uh-huh. going on? And you get to see Wilford Brimley as kind of a Cajun action hero. I kind of like mm-hmm. that too, actually. <laughs> I, I, at first I was like, wow, that's like a Cajun Wilford Brimley. And yeah. then I went, holy shit, that is Wilford <laughs> Brimley. Yes. Yeah. The Running Man, 1987. I have seen this very recently. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jesse Ventura, set in a dystopian United States of 2017. <laughs> 
You know what? Honestly, with the state of reality television, if a running man started in the next five years, I would not be that surprised. If it was set in Detroit, it would be kind of realistic with the what you saw in the outside world. The That's landscape. True. Yes, yeah. the landscape of Detroit would look very similar. Richard Dawson from uh, Family Feud. Yeah, Richard Dawson. Uh, and and uh, Hogan's and Heroes. Hogan's Heroes, yeah, yeah. Kind of steals the show. Oh, oh totally yeah. steals the show. Absolutely. He's fantastic. Well, here's what I liked about the movie. The five-minute-long dance scenes. <laughs> There was so 80s. Like, the dance yes. sequences yeah. were so 80s. It was awesome. Well, you know, the those uh, the dancers yeah. were the actual Lakers girls. Okay, sure. Yeah, those were, oh, that makes sense. Those yeah. were the... Uh, they had great legs uh, yeah. that you couldn't see because they were covered in unitard. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was just so 1980s. It was awesome. And the outfits. Like, I really like the the kind of the running man unitard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. With like the kind of the quilted uh, shoulder pads and everything. Styling. Yeah, very styling. And and also kind of makes sense. The guy's going to be running around bumping into things. You're going to put some padding on the Yeah, you want to protect the the person you're hunting to death. (laughs) Well, you you don't want him to die from an abrasion that gets infected. (laughs) You know, that would not be good television. Has anybody read the Bachman book that uh, the running man is based on? No. Uh, I have. It is... Nothing like the movie. Oh, I believe it. Of course, it is, it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> the book is it's um you the Running Man is the entire world is the field. Okay, for the Running Man. So it's not it's not on a course. It's not contained. It's just they just like let them free and then they chase them down. Right. So it uh, and it ends very differently. Uh, in the Bogman book, he uh, um, hijacks a seven forty seven and like crashes it into the. Uh, gaming headquarters oh nice and kills everybody oh that's awesome right well do we dare talk about predator then even though it's aliens hunting humans for sport instead of humans hunting humans if, for sport. if sure. we don't horse track hooligans are all gonna kill us starring arnold schwarzenegger jesse ventura again and carl weathers trivia from imdb uh-huh. most of the film was shot under the original title hunter it was only later when the creature design was changed that the movie became Predator. Oh, I wonder what the original creature design was like. I have seen the original creature design. Oh, really? And nobody was happy with it, and rightly so. Oh, it was really? terrible. Well, what was uh, what was wrong with it? Let's see if we can find a picture of that. Oh, it's like a, like a skeletal man horse. It's cool, but... It doesn't really have any character. No. No. Or it's... technology. And I remember when they were, you know, they would have a guy running around in an orange suit and it, it was just flopping everywhere. It looked terrible. Okay. During the If It Bleeds, We Can Kill It documentary, there is a quick shot of Jean-Claude Van Damme playing the original Predator creature. Think about that. Bring oh, really? it around, hard target oh, style. Nice. Uh, body count, 69. There's 69 dead people in Predator? Most of them at the hands of Schwarzenegger and also a scorpion, a boar, and a Predator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there was, well all those, there was all those. Uh, the Predator didn't die in the... Schwarzenegger's hands, though. The Predator did the old self destruct. Oh, spoiler alert! <laughs> predator, good or bad? Uh, oh, really? Great. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're gonna make a silly action movie, it should be like Predator. Like, it's you know, it's not telling us any big well, secrets about humanity or anything like that. But it's just ball, like balls to the wall fun. All right, I also watched Turkey Shoot, <laughs> also known as Escape 2000, at Blood Camp Thatcher. This is an Ozploitation ah, film yeah. from 1982, an Australian dystopian exploitation film notable for its extreme violence and sadistic prison sequences. I can vouch for that. The establishment offers the opportunity to rich adventurers with legal immunity. The cast is a mix of international actors and Australian soap opera stars and television personalities. So what can I say about this movie? 
Uh, good or bad? Uh, Start out with bad. That. Okay, bad. Uh huh. It does have some really crazy scenes of people getting their hands chopped off, and there's one. There, so there's basically four hunters. Uh huh. It's this dystopian world where you know the government can just say whatever it wants about you, put you into camp. Okay. So the hunters come in and they choose four people from this camp and send them out. Each hunter gets its own mark. You're not supposed to take the other guy's okay. victims. Okay. One of the hunters, they all have these kind of different methods. There's this one lady who has a crossbow with different kinds of crossbows. Okay. And she's hunting this other lady. And spoilage alert, when she captures her, she rapes her. The woman I rapes was... the woman. Yeah, you don't see you don't see much happening. She's got a, like a... Uh, one of the arrows to her neck and she starts licking her and then cut away. And then mm. when you cut back, it's just a She's naked dead, dead body. Naked. Yeah. Okay. One of the other guys has this kind of little Jeep thing with guns mounted to it. And he has this circus freak. He is hired <laughs> or is his buddy with. In, in what way? Is he like a little person? No, he's like oh. the wolf man. Oh, so he's super strong, and he's hairy all over, and he's got crazy contact lenses in. And his specialty is running up to the victim and grabbing him and giving him a bear hug and basically wrestling him. Okay. So it's very weird. <laughs> this was suggested to me by numerous people on Facebook who are big, I guess, big fans okay. in some way. I'm yeah. sure Gavin Pitts has seen it. Um I don't know if I would recommend watching it. If you like, if you, if you're into Ozploitation films, I would say that would be one of the ones to watch. Okay. Okay. In the comics, Craven the Hunter, Sergey Cravenoff. That's where he gets his name. I was, it was weird to me that someone who is a hunter would be Craven, because oh, Craven yeah. is usually like Craven you're a Craven cowardly. coward yeah. or whatever. I guess that makes sense. Only that would be C. Craven. But then again, he's K. He, Craven. Aside from hunting Spider-Man, who's an actual challenge, he doesn't really hunt difficult things like he but that's his whole plot line his whole thing is he's hunted every animal on the planet and now he's done with that so he's gonna hunt superheroes because they're the only ones who pose a challenge to him and unlike other hunters he typically disdained the use of guns or bows and arrows preferring to take down large dangerous animals with his bare hands although right you know i have seen images of craven with like a power like a high-powered rifle in his hands oh I mean, he probably he said he preferred not to, but when you go up against the Punisher, you left with little choice because the Punisher loves using guns. He also used a mystical serum to give him similar strength to Spider-Man. And after numerous battles in which Kraven was bested by the Wall Crawler, he finally defeated Spider-Man by shooting him and burying him, burying him alive for what would be his last hunt. He then donned Spider-Man's black costume and set out to prove that he was a greater Spider-Man. Yes, do you no, remember I that? Remember, I do remember this series. Should we do? The Lesser of Two Evils. This was suggested by one of our friendly interns. Which is the lesser of two evils? Hunting down someone who's close to you or being hunted by someone you've never met? Oh. I do love this question, but I, th- I think, uh, well, now, I, think when, I know when, my answer. When we say close to you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume it means someone that you like. Like socially, like a good friend. Okay. All right. Or a family member. Or, or a family member that you like. <laughs> right. We're not to keep adding like. <laughs> what are the consequences? Like, why are you being forced to hunt them? Like, is this, this is like Battle Royale You're style. You're compelled magically. Or yeah. this is Battle Royale style <laughs> that you got the collar and if you don't oh. kill them, your head explodes. Uh, yeah, sure. Let's do that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Or uh, be hunted. So you're not you're the one who's running weaponless through the yeah, woods by someone who you do not know by Craven. 
<laughs> Maybe. Yeah. If there was such a person. Oh. And I guess we're going to have to say, if you don't catch your friend within a little while, you both die, just like Battle Royale, because th- otherwise you'd go, I'll hunt my friend and then not kill them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'll hunt them and then kiss them when so- they- we'll <laughs> hug when we uh, right. yeah, yeah. When I catch him. <laughs> Tag! I mean, when you first hear it, your initial impression is, oh, this is a really hard question. But then when you stop and think about it for a while, kind of, you got to go with the stranger no matter what. I need to know before I can make this decision, mm-hmm. is it going to happen right now? Like as soon as we get out of the studio, right. the hunt begins? Or do I get some prep time? Right. So that you can actually get some cardio so in? I can, yeah, so, <laughs> I can, so I can learn how to make like a pit trap or a deadfall trap or something like that. Now, if we're going with the Battle Royale example, you're going to get gassed and you're going to wake up and it's on. Okay. And you get yeah. one weapon. You're going you're gonna to wake no, no, no. up in a room with somebody that you really care for and they're going to offer you the choice. No, because we're going with the whole like hunter hunty. So if you're the hunter, you've got a weapon. And if you're the hunty, you've got no weapon. Okay, next question is, is it on an island or is it in like a cordoned off area of town? Um, Does it yeah, really matter? An island with but a island. island. There's going to have to be a way for, for... How about an island with an abandoned town in it? Oh, I like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's gonna and there's gonna have to be a way for you to defeat the hunter, really. Like, well, no, they, otherwise you're just choosing: do I want to kill somebody I like or get killed? So, so you you are gonna have a chance to turn the, the yeah, tide on the hunter. But you have course, to you but, have to do it through guile. Yeah, but you've got you're at a massive disadvantage. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't oh, have to kill the hunter. No, you have to you have to turn the tables on them and kill them to keep from being killed. I could just disable them. Uh, yeah, if, you, you okay. could do the heroic yeah. thing of no, yeah. I won't kill him. Sure, but yeah. you, you can't you do will. that to your friend because then you both die. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. I, I just think that there's death on either way. Oh, you're gonna kill the hunter oh, yeah. no matter what. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I have to keep them from hunting you because otherwise their head will explode. Oh, okay. So if they don't. What if I just paralyze them? Then then everybody's then, head. Then explodes. the collar goes off at the end <laughs> yeah. of the day. Yeah. Okay. okay. Let's do that. So it's kill or be killed. You're gonna kill somebody. But you're either going to really try to kill your friend or try to be killed. Somebody's going to try to kill you. And if you're lucky, you can turn the tables and kill them. Yeah. I'm kind of leaning towards being hunted because I kind of want to see how I would do. Right. I don't like your chances. (laughs) I don't like them either. (laughs) But I might surprise. I'm counting on maybe surprising myself a little bit. Well, you know, after watching all of these terrible (laughs) movies, I feel as though I have some expertise in how to, A, avoid and perhaps build some traps. Well, you'll be at a serious advantage uh, because if the guy actually gets a chance to look at you, he will definitely (laughs) underestimate you. He will definitely underestimate you. We will give you a five minute, 15 minute day start. We'll see if he gets outside the. It'll be tortoise in the hair. He'll be sitting around drinking and watching TV. I'll get you know, him whenever I want. Now that I'm thinking about it, my my self preservation instinct is really kicking in hard right now. Wow. <laughs> I think I'm going towards Hunter. Have you decided then who your close friend or or person that's close to you is going to be? I got two pretty good candidates right here in the room with me. How dare you say we're close? How dare you? Oh, Kevin, I'm honored that you would hunt me for sport. That's a little snapshot into your individual characters right there. Yeah, in our guns episode, I proved quite uh, decisively that I was by far the best shot of the three of us. Oh, yeah. You'd never see me coming. That's, oh. I would have to make that happen. Like, really? You would not get a chance. You'd think you'd go ninja style. It'd be yeah. all like That's Rambo. The only way I could do it. You'd cover yourself in mud, Rambo oh. style. and Tree bark and whatnot. So what about you, Joe? We haven't heard anything from you on this front I yet. like people too much. And I, yeah. Uh, I have to admit that maybe like in the real situation, cowardice might try to take over. But I think I'm going to have to go for even the, the, the outside chance that I don't have to kill my buddy. 
instead yeah, that, I, that I can survive and turn the tables. And, and again, uh, I got no cardio. I'm terrible. I mean, I, I'm not fat anymore, but that doesn't mean I'm in good shape. <laughs> but you play paintball. Uh, you know, you know the rules of the engagement. Fifteen years ago, <laughs> yeah. But oh, but I play all sorts of tactical video games. Yeah, there you and, go. And no, my mind is very good at that sneaky coming up with the third way of doing things. So I, I think my cleverness is an advantage. If my physical attributes are a disadvantage, uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I still the odds are not anywhere near in my favor. But, you- but I'm going to take those odds so that I don't have to try to kill my friend. I think the world would be a much emptier place without me in it. So I got to go with the hunter. Okay. And, and Joe, you've seen The Hobbit. Uh, yeah. So you know how to make grenades out of acorns that are on fire. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside. And when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while being mentally controlled by a parasitic barnacle. To comment on episodes, make a donation, or see show notes, links, and videos, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Subscribe to our Twitter feed at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Exactly. I'm going to put my hand down your throat and tear out your spine. <laughs> That's another one I remember. <laughs> yeah, there's some, uh, uh, Sub-Zero, more like plain <laughs> zero. zero. <laughs> Good one, Good. running man. Good. <laughs>